All right, here we go. What is up, the sixth man? We are back. Valentine's Day has just passed, guys. Did, did we all have a good Valentine's Day? No? Okay, well, well basketball was on, so at least we had that. We, we had an early tip. We had Wizard Celtics, so that was good. I'm feeling great because outside the NBA, OU's basketball team have broken into the top 10 in college basketball. All we got to do is beat that stupid team, Texas. So, yeah, feeling good, feeling good. We're obviously going to be covering t covering two divisions uh, as we normally do, and we're going to be talking about the Southeast. So we're going to head to Disneyland first, where it's not really a magical story happening right now. How's Lasky? Talk to me. See, I, I feel you're doing this out of spite because usually you try to go for the best teams first. Now, now you just want to take the piss and make me go first. But with all that being said, um, there is only one word to describe the magic season. And that's just injuries um I, I was saying to the guys before the call magic had eight active players last night three of them were centers so we had what five players to cover the wings and guard positions that includes mcw and terence ross gary clark Dwayne bacon and chuma okiki and then our three centers of vooch birch and bamba but good thing we just signed a free agent chasen randall of course, everyone knows Jason Randall. Yeah. Who? Who is that? Who he played for? Who he played for, <laughs> for, right? It's not even the good Randall. It's the bad Randall. I have no idea who this geezer oh. is, but we just picked him up. And we're going to... So we picked him up, so we're going to have to drop someone. And unfortunately, Frank Mason III has to unfortunately be dropped. Oh, no. Um, that is the current situation. The majority of our season has been played with four starters out. If any other team can say that, fair play. So... That I just had to get that off my chest. Um, so the Magic are now 10 and 18. And quite nicely, actually, the fact that we do this every three weeks is usually 10 games. And it's been 10 games since last checked with the Magic, and they've been 2 and 8 since then. One of the victories we spoke about a couple weeks back, which was against Chicago, but then they lost the game after that. Okay, I'm relaxed. That's all I had to say. You, you got anything to ask me, Alex? Uh, yeah. That's it. I mean, for this week... Loss against the Blazers, that game was was relatively close. The Warriors game was also pretty close. You beat the Kings. So yeah. And then you lose to the Suns. And in that Suns game, you know, no, Booker, just, Booker just pulls up for three and then Vooch is just rebounding the ball and he just slams it against the stanchion. Okay. Right, but you are over 500 on something. And Steve Clifford Go is on. seven and three on coaches' challenges ah. this season, right? That's got to be positive for something. That's a good. That's a good record. So to all the GMs out there, if you were a ref, which coach would you be most convinced by to review a play? Greg Pop. Yeah, Pop's got the experience, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And short blunt answers. Yeah. yeah, that's I, very I, true. I think Quinn Snyder. I think Quinn, Quinn Snyder. Yeah, exactly. I'd be absolutely terrified. I told you, he's got that killer man's face. He's just scary, man. So Especially with the mask on. Battle Royale. Yeah. Especially yeah. him with the mask on. It's just curly hair, like, slipped back. You're like, fuck, man, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. He looks like a Batman villain. <laughs> he literally does. Are you, are, you saying, are you saying trade him out for R. Patterson in the, in the new Batman? Because, you know, that guy's refusing to work out, apparently. Yeah, but Patterson is actually Batman. So you could have... Uh, I'd be convinced that Robert Patterson would be scared of Quinn Snyder. I I'd buy that. Yeah, I'd, be like, yeah, I'd, I'd see that. 
quickly quickly okay. to finish up on the magic I'll, I'll i'll leave on the one positive and the only positive or the, the main positive throughout the whole year which is vooch um we'll see if he becomes an all-star um he had two big career games recently he had a 43 point game against uh the balls which was his career high and then he had like another 42 points against the kings yeah thanks um and the good thing about the Bulls game is he scored 40 plus points in a game which needed him to score 40 plus points. I do have want to see him dominate against another elite big man. Um, he hasn't had a signature game against one of the other top tier centers. So I do want to see that happen in the next couple of weeks, um, maybe just for himself as well. But we all know it's really tricky if, you know, your teammates can't hit shots when you pass them open up threes. I.e. Gary Clark who's shooting 25% and I think 8% of those are open threes. So, yeah, I've said about that. And also the other positive thing is that Terence Ross is building his trade stock way up because now he's starting and he's getting all the shots, even more. Terence Ross has not started in over 120 games. He's just purely a bench player, but I guess that's what happens when everyone's injured. <laughs> well, let's go from the bad to the truly horror-awful uh, we, we, we didn't have high hopes for the Magic, but we had high hopes for this team. And this team has gone 0-3 this week. And that is the Atlanta Hawks. Jay Wild is sitting there real pissed off. And I can see why, because his team is in a whole lot of trouble. Jay Wild. Yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's pretty bleak, man. And you're right, I'm pretty pissed off. Uh, same as Magic, I hate to say, that uh, we've only won two of our last eight games. Um, in a more uh, condensed range, as you say, we are 0-3 uh, this week. Um most impressive game of the three was against Dallas Mavericks. Uh, they, of course, won. Uh, and with the Trey versus Luka games, we're now down 2-1. Um, but uh, it was an absolutely killer game. Uh, from our, from my three favourite guys, John Collins, um, Trey Young, of course, uh, and Kevin Herder. Kevin Herder with 23, John Collins with 33, and Trey with 25. It was a really good game. It came down to the last possession. Yeah, Kevin Herder inbounding the ball, which usually really, you know, really happy about. That's a good thing. He makes good decisions. He's an underrated passer. Um, they run a backdoor, backdoor screen trade to John, and the screen worked. John Collins was wide open under the hoop, but Trey gets hit in the face by Willie Colley Stein in the elbow. And if you watch Kevin, he actually got distracted by that. He figured someone was going to get called. If he actually maintained focus on the play. He could have lobbed it into John uh, and then that would have been the win because we only lost by one and, and that was the final play. Um, so look, it was a really tough loss, but it's NBA, you know, things are going to happen like that. Um, next game against Spurs, we get up 77 points in the first half against Spurs. And then once we did that, um, we basically threw in the towel um, and Trey, Trey played half as many minutes as he did in the Mavs game. Um, and, you know, if we're playing trade for half the amount we want to be, then, you know, we're clearly just like the, on to the next one. But it's really tough, man, because although we haven't got it quite as bad as the Magic with people we've lost, you know, really key guys. We started out the season much like the Magic with undefeated record. We had a really good start because we had all of our guys. Uh, Bogdanovich, he's, na he's now down. He, he went out, um, obviously, uh, early. He's walking 20 points. He's basically, yeah, he's a killer. He's a guy you want out there in crunch time. Uh, yeah, he was hitting really clutch threes. And every time he shot, I felt like it was going in. Um, so we're missing that presence. Um, and Hunter. 
you know, after uh, Bogdanovich went down, Hunter was excelling. He, yeah, he became, he's become our third best scorer on the team. Um, we've lost him now for the next seven to ten weeks with a knee injury. Um, so it just re- it means we're relying on guys like Solomon Hill. Um, and let, no disrespect, but it's just, you know, these guys aren't versatile. Solomon Hill's best work came from, you know, passes he was getting off of the, one of the best assist men ever in Rondo. Uh, and spot up threes, but there's not much else he's doing for us. So when you're swapping out people like Hunter for Solo, it, it's, it's not it's not a winning recipe, and it's not current record. In the uh, Mavs game, first of all, real quick, do you think it was a foul? Uh, I saw Trey uh, throw up some 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 fruity language. Uh, they got in trouble. We can't, you know, not save the TV on here. Uh, we're not going to repeat those, but uh, yeah, do you do you think it's foul? Um, Don't be biased. It's, it's totally down to the discretion of the ref. It's a it's a bang bang play. Uh, I think it could easily have been called. Uh, Trey is a star, so you could say hey, that he's the one getting elbowed in the face, then he should be that should be getting called. Um, it's tough because the ref that should be the one to call it probably looking at Kevin doing the five count to make sure they get the inbound in. So it's a tough play to call. It's hard to see. It's very unlikely that play is going to get called. As I said, I honestly, I'd love to say it should have been called because it's my team. But as I said earlier, I do believe that if Kevin stayed focused on the play, you'd have seen John wide open. And John was letting him know, um, you know, giving it the old... Yeah, he's all wide open <laughs> under the hoop, and yeah, he's uh, he should have been thrown up for a lob, basically. Um, so yeah, John, John Collins, um, let's speak about him now. Yeah. As as Bray alluded to last week, that when teams go into losses, what do we talk about? We talk about potential trades. Now, there's been speak about John Collins, uh, that the Hawks are listening to offers. Um, and I'm gonna read yeah. a couple of trade offers you wildy uh and just so you can finish with do you think the hawks are going to move them so you've got john collins and tony snell for norman powell and baines two first rounders and a second round pick or another one that i found was collins snell and chris dunn for oladipo daniel house and a first round pick do you think they're going to move john collins the whole john collins thing has been going on a very long time and when you're paying attention to something like that, where, especially when you like him, I've you know, already said that he's like one of my favourite players on the team. Um, everything's kind of pointing towards it. John voices opinions halfway through the, um, you know, the season saying that, hey, look, look I, I don't think Trey's passing up the ball enough. So there was tension in the locker room about that. Trey didn't actually clap back in the locker room and that was said, but it really affected Trey's play throughout the thing. So whether that that relationship has felt a bit tainted, even though they are playing well together since that incident. Um, also, they were getting, you know, you also see stuff like at the beginning of the game, they're really hyping up John and, and trying to build up his uh, his value uh, as a draft asset so that when they are opening the doors for trade assets, they can get as much for him as possible. You really start, you sort of notice things like that when somebody is on the rumour mill that there's lots of different promos and everything for them to... Uh, to GM up basically, which is smart and it's something you want to do. Um, the idea of that other depot one, um, I don't think we can't give him up for nothing. I think he's a really good player, um, you know. Uh, but it's, uh, it's definitely on the cards um, because if, if John does, if John and Trey aren't clicking um, in the way that we think they are, then you know it can't be a long-term thing because 
uh, it's yeah, it's something that we need to build on. It might be time to go. Well, and, and also going back on the other thing is that apparently the Celtics are after John Collins to add that big piece, and that's something that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Let's speak. Let's continue on the trade talks, and another player that has been talked a lot about in trades is Bradley Bill. The Washington Wizards, two and two this week, slightly better for them. Lancashire Lambert, the Wizards, talk to me about them. Yeah, it feels like every time we talk about the Wizards, it's a bit of a blessing that Beal is still here. So I will take that, I will take that. But yeah, the Wizards have improved of late. Like you said, the two and two this week, they're actually four and six in their last 10. So nice positives. Um, win against the Bulls, narrow win. Um, Zach Levine missed a layup right at the end, which could have forced overtime, but we'll take that. And then defeats against the Raptors and then the Knicks, in which actually Beal sat out that game. Um, and Westbrook managed to just fall shy of a triple-double, but a typical just defeat there for the Wizards, really. And then a great win last night on Valentine's Day against the Celtics, in which, I don't know if it was the Wizards being good or the Celtics just being absolutely terrible, but um, we'll still take that win. Yeah, Bill won the matter, the battle of uh, St. Louis because Tatum had an awful game. Uh, yeah, so they, they went against, like you said, they went against the Bulls and a close one. Uh, Raptors, Westbrook making costly turnovers and they just, you know, they can never really come back. The next game, uh, a lot of D-Rose really controlling that game as well. And Julius Randle showed that the Wizards don't really have an inside presence. But yeah, the Celtics win for them. Bill starts up five for five. Uh, Mo Wagner brings good energy and they, they're getting good production out of Rui Hachimura. So um, have you seen anything from the Japanese Michael Jordan? Funnily enough, I was going to talk about him. He's, he's been in great form of late. Um, he obviously had that. He had a double-double against Chicago and then a great game against the Celtics last night. Um, in the actual 17 games that he has started for the Wizards this season, they've won seven of them which are all seven of the Wizards' wins. So actually fairly record from that perspective. And he's scored double uh, double figures in points in his last four games, seven out of his last eight, pretty decent. And he's averaging 13 points per game and 5.3 points, uh, 5.3 rebounds, shooting 45%. So actually he's, he's contributing fairly well. And you can kind of point to him as the reason why last night's performance against the Celtics, that was their... Uh, fewest points allowed for an opposing team last night. The first time this season they've kept uh, their opponents under 100 points and his defence was definitely a huge part of that. Let's go a bit off script with this. So earlier this week, John Wall came out and spoke about the Westbrook trade. He said that the Wizards didn't give him honesty and respect uh, throughout the trade process and then basically no one told him the truth. So Matt, my question to you is, do you think Washington regrets making that trade? Uh, yeah, like, well, I guess we, we saw the first um, showdown between uh, Wall and Westbrook a few weeks ago and the next actual game is between the Wizards and the Rockets and I can't yeah. see it going any other way. Even though the Rockets have had a bit, a bit of a slide of late, I can still see that um, Wall will prevail over Westbrook. Westbrook's influence, he's, he's still obviously been having an impact on the stat line, but in terms of an impact on the games... Not really much. It's, been, it's Bradley Beal's team. It's not that much of a duo as people would have thought it would have been. It's, yeah, 
it's it's they've not combined Beale and Westbrook. It's been Beale's been driving that team, and Westbrook's just been sat padding really. Yeah, I don't. I think Rui probably has a better win loss record than Westbrook at this point because it seems like whenever Westbrook doesn't play or is playing, the Wizards, yeah, they're, they're not. They're almost better without him. Yeah, it's really interesting. So and they they gave up a pick in that trade as well. Didn't mm. didn't they, didn't Washington have to give up a pick to uh, to bring Westbrook in, which is even crazier. Yeah, it's shocking as well with uh, Westbrook because like someone like Victor Oladipo credits his success to Westbrook just seeing how hard it works and you think that should really be bringing a culture energizing the rest of their players and I don't I haven't I can't say I've seen the effects yeah well I like you said the east not as deep as the west could they make a late late push? I highly doubt it, but we will see what happens. So the Wizards went two and two this week. Another team which is on the rise. Um, really excited. Probably one of the most exciting teams. I'd probably say the best league pass team to watch if you're on a late, late night, um, a late night binge on the NBA. And that is the Charlotte Hornets. They also went two and two this week, and they are 13 and 15 overall, which is really good for an East team. So let's give them some credit. Uh George, House of O3. What's up, my man? Buzz, buzz, baby. That's what's up. <laughs> I am feeling good, my brother. Like you said, um, this week, two and two. But if we look out the last 10, they've gone six and four. Uh, now, the last time we spoke about them, um, I remember we were mentioning that um, there were troubles and concerns within the Hornets camp, especially with um, um, the troubles which Ball was having. Uh, having and then they just turned it around just like that it seems and they've they've gone on a tear last time we spoke about them they were 12th in the conference now we're talking about them today they are now sick they've jumped up six places since we last spoke about them and I need to apologize because last time we spoke about them I didn't you know even cover half of what they were achieving back then back then they were first in assists out of all the league, they're first in the sits. Now they're still up there. They're second. They've recently been overtaken, but they they are performing. And can I can I just throw it back, my guys? When back when we were draft week, might I say? And we we were talking about this team and Lamella Ball, and I heard comments like, "Oh, he's just a flashy passer," and "Oh, Call this." Call him out. Listen, as long as it wasn't me, as long as it wasn't me, call, call him out. out. That guy over there. <laughs> you know, and shame them. What, 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 what are you guys thinking now? Hmm? That, that, that's all I'm asking. And you know what? I have to add, I'm very happy because I feel like this was my last team to be drafted. I feel like I've drafted a Draymond Green right now. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. And well, they're just cutting all the teams be drafted. Be George, you better be careful because it might end up in a kick in the nuts. <laughs> Well, go, go, you know on, go on I'll, number I'll one Lamelo hater. Still can. That's all I'm saying. Who's, who's number one Lamelo hater. Oh, I saw him in real life. I saw him in the flesh. He's not that good. He's just flashy passes. I want to hear it from you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who you're putting that. You know well, we, 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 we've got the thing sorted out. We know who that is. Great. Oh, I, I mean, oh, it's, <laughs> it's Alex. It's Alex. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to stay quiet over here because I was wrong about them. 
Obituary wrong. He's been in, he's been incredibly effective. He can like kind of shoot sometimes, which is cool. Um, oh, such a backhanded. Exactly. I mean, like, oh, come he's still on. He's the ball at the beginning. We were like, what? Just, Who's better, Tyler Hero or Lamelo Ball? I want to hear it. Oh, I mean, to, I mean, Tyler Hero's mm, <laughs> story. Not story. this season. Not this season. <laughs> he hasn't been better this season. You're absolutely right there. I will concede. Um, I have some Tyler Hero points coming up later as well. Um, but yeah, like Lamelo's been really good. I was wrong. I apologise to Lamelo. Um, he's been really good with uh, with who's their dunk? Is it Bridges? Miles Bridges. Yep. Miles oh, yeah. Bridges. Like, like, he, like, give Lamelo someone like Miles Bridges who can jump out the gym. And I, mm. I like that's a combination that I completely underrated because that is what that is one of the main reasons they're a sneaky lead class team. That combo is insane. Entertaining. George, can we can we speak about Miles Bridges? So Bridges, three straight double doubles for this team in three games out of the four this week. How important has he been to them? Yeah, um, like I mentioned um, before, uh, when we were speaking last week, like um, it was mainly Haywood being that driving force. So now that um, Bridges has uh, really picked up his stats now, um, he's really been able to take a lot of the load from Haywood in that aspect and many other players in the points and assists, which he's adding onto the team. So he's been a uh, uh, huge help to the overall um, Hornets pickup. I'm going to shout out my player of the week. Scary Terry is on an absolute tear. Terry Rozier is averaging 36 points per game and he's shooting 59% from the field. He He's going Celtic playoff, playoffs. He's It's like he's playing Bledsoe in the playoffs again. He is on fire. So look out for him because I'm sure he's going to have some, some fun games coming up. Man. Is there anything you want to say on the Hornets before we move on? Yeah, like like I mentioned, big week, massive pickup for all players, and I have to agree, he's back, baby. Scary Terry's back. I'm not sure if you saw his last play in the previous game. I can't remember who he got jumping in the, the air. Hezzy, the Hezzy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's the, it's the young, young blood. Oh my! It's the drawback head fake, and yeah. then bring it back through. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm really happy this week and I'm hoping um this change continues. I think the concerns I'm really loving this team because they're growing together and I think with that added pickup as they go forward as a team is truly beneficial. I think as you can tell from previous discussions, I'm more of that um supporter of that kind of team, fully on team, everyone contributing kind of team play as opposed to having the superstars take over take the full load so it's really good to see that and I hope more more good things in the future you know yeah nice man let's let's close out this division with the only team that Bray cares about uh, and that is the where Tyler Hero has not been playing as well as the Mellow Ball um, and yeah. that is the in the Miami Heat they but I will say this, they are 2-1 and one this week. Uh, they have been climbing their way back. They've won four out of their last five. Five, Bray. How are you feeling about the Heat? Um, 
they are they finally have a better record than the Bulls. So you can all shut up. Um, I'm right. That's what I'm going to say. They're trending <laughs> in the right direction. Um, they're kind of like they're stabilizing now. Like they're five and five in their last ten. They've got Jimmy back. Who knew having someone who played at Okay, we didn't play at a finals MVP level, but he had some ridiculous games in the finals. And who knew having that guy would be super important? Um, he's really, really stabilised them and has just been the scorer that they need. Um, they In their last 10 games, they had losses to the Jazz, the Clips and the Nugs. And I'm like, fair enough. Those are some really good teams. There's had a lot of the Wizards, which uh, isn't great. Don't really want to lose the Wizards. They're currently, yeah, sorry, they're last in the in the in the conference. So um, ideally not there. And there's had a loss of the Hornets, who are obviously streaking at the moment, and someone they should be looking at in the same bracket they're in the um, the the, play, the playoff picture now, which is very nice. And they are only two games out of the sixth spot, as I've been saying uh, all year. I I see them as as a top six team. Yes, that's actually what I was going to ask you, Bray, because Jimmy, uh, since I last checked, was averaging 23, 9 and 9 since he came back. He obviously won the last four, uh, won four out of the last five. So you think they're going to be around the sixth seed for the playoff seedings? Yeah. Um, I So, it, like, looking at the standings, um, the the top five as is right now, um, the sixes, Bucks, Nets, Pacers and Celtics, and then I would have the Heat edging the Hornets um, into that into that last spot. You um, can disagree with that right now, the way the Hornets are playing, because they do look very good. But I think with the Heat on this upward trajectory, the other thing to consider is Jimmy's been great, but Bam is leading the team in like uh, in four out of the five major categories. The only thing he doesn't lead in is steals, which Iggy leads in, and that's what Iggy does. So, like, he's been an absolute monster. And with the, the the tandem that they've got there, even with everyone else not playing so so well, like we mentioned Tyler Hero, 17 points in 34 minutes a game. Uh, Duncan Robinson, only 12 and a half points in 33 minutes a game. And Iggy, I mentioned, is obviously good with the steals, but four points in 21 minutes. You need more from them. And that's, that's what's happening this year is, is scoring. Yeah, a- another player who's just popped out of nowhere is Max Struess. Um, Max Struess. He, um, you know, next person up for the Heat, it's the, like you said, it's their culture. He's really come in and he had an, a huge dunk against the Rockets uh, where he dunked on John Wall. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, bro, if that was me, I'd be talking a whole <laughs> lot to John Wall because I know John Wall is always giving it when he dunks on someone. So, yeah. He was hitting shots that game as well. He basically he made he made a load of, he made all threes and that dunk, and it was like it was just um, it was just beautiful. Big fan of Max Struess. He was uh, undrafted, I believe, picked up by the um, Celtics, then waived so they could have Taco Fall. Um, then he was picked up by the Bulls, then waived again, and now he's been picked up by the Heat, um, and uh, he's found his home. Yeah, Miami looking slightly better um, before the Jazz. Their last three games were decided by seven points or fewer. So they really know how to grind it out and that's going to be pay dividends for them in the playoffs. So that concludes the Southeast Division. Uh, take a short break and then we're going to hit the Northwest.
They said to the Northwest Division. And Ed, I know I gave you a bad headline, but I'm going to give you a good headline with one of, well, one of the best teams in the NBA. And I think we are all surprised by this. Uh, and we are taking note. The Utah Jazz, 3-0 this week, 22-5 and overall. Ed, take it away. Um, so... Funny enough, actually, when we last spoke about the Jazz, they were just coming off a 9-1, 10-game streak. And this week, they're also coming off 9-1 as well. So it's back-to-back 9-1s. Don't be a hater. You could have picked them. Instead, you chose Dallas. And you chose who else did you choose? Oh, you chose the Sixers, all right? You could have had the Jazz. I know who you picked, Wildy. I know who everyone picked. Okay. Okay. Anyway, back 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 to where we were, the best team in the league, right? Uh Anyway, um, so the last ten games have also been nine and one, similar to last time we spoke. When the last ten games before that, they were also nine and one. So love it, perfectly balanced. Um, They're now twenty-two and five. Uh, During that, during the past ten games, they've had some big wins against the Nuggets, Celtics, and the Bucks. And of their wins, only one of them was less than ten point, was less than double-digit victory, which is quite dominant. Um, which is not necessarily something you'd associate with the Jazz and previously before this year. Um, and against the Bucks, they had four players score more than 25 points, which is, I'm not sure last time that's happened, but that's really nice. Yeah, they had the best record in the league and they are looking really, really good. Whether it's Mitchell and his ability to make three-pointers, I think that's, he's making, he's attempting two more threes a game than he was last year. Uh, so those shots that he was taking from the mid range or from the paint, he's now taking them as three point from the three point line, and he's actually shooting a better percentage, which is lovely efficiency. He's also uh, getting an an assist a game more than he was last year, so his assist numbers are up. And I think he had eleven assists a couple a couple games ago when Mike Conley was out, and he had to carry some of the ball carrying responsibility. But when you watch the Jazz, I love the way they run their pick and rolls. Um, it's it's one of the it was one of the jokes on NBA Twitter about Rudy Gobert's screen assists, but when you watch it happen, you're like, oh shit, it's actually really effective. And I me- I remember speaking about this, maybe second to last time we spoke about the Jazz, this little this little pick and roll action they have with Joe Ingles and um, Gobert, because Joe Ingles is so big and so good at ball handling, defenders don't know what to do whether to go for Gobert or Joe Ingles, and he's just got this nice little float. It was all right, cool, you're gonna double Gobert floater, cool, you're gonna come to me love it up to Rudy because his reach is so long and everyone just knows how to run and pick a run that team which is really nice they really utilize screen super super well so there's just a couple of key things I noticed about the Jazz and their ball movement I'm sure quite a few of you guys have seen clips of the Jazz's ball movement of the past week or so and it works when everyone can hit a three so you have to close out the shooter and then when you close out the shooter and two people run the same guy there's another guy who's wide open those are just a couple of things I wanted to say about the Jazz. Um, yeah, Joe Ingles is a standout for this for this week for for me in the Celtics win, twenty four three and six, and the first well in the in the Bucks win he went twenty seven three and five. Uh, they also beat the Heat in that stretch, and they are playing my Sixers next. And I, yes. to be honest, I'm marking that as an L. Um, I think we're in trouble there, but. But Ed, I want to ask you about the Jazz. So they beat the Bucks on Jan 8th. Yeah. And they knocked down a franchise record 25 threes. Yeah. And this time around, they got a lot, they got to the line a lot. So they shot 29 of 34 from free throws. So that's yes. that's two quality win against a contender. So my question to you is: do you think do you think that they're a legit contender to win it oh, all? Good question. And 
so I, I, was, I was doing some extra reading and extra looking into the jazz and just seeing what the national narrative is. And obviously, first thing I'd say is who is your star player? And that as soon as people say that, they look at um, Donovan Mitchell. And is he superstar, elite, elite, one of the best five players in the league? No, not necessarily. But he is top 15, top 20 player right now in the league. What is um, his ability to hit the three and create for himself and his teammates is really effective. So from that perspective, I'm like, yes. And then I look at Rudy Gobert. Now, I know we've spoken a bit about Gobert and I went from being positive on him then to being a bit more negative. Now I'm back in a positive aspect. Um, he has been playing really, really well. And I do appreciate what he brings, as I said, with the screen assist and what he does bring on defense. When you do watch him on defense, his range and what he's able to do to even guards, although we make the joke about his defense on Curry, but apart from that, he's able to, the way he's able to block shots compared to what Miles Turner does, Rudy Gobert is able to affect shots differently. And it's really nice when they've got defenders who can funnel them into Rudy. However, I did want to point out one thing, which is how Jokic has been doing against Rudy Gobert, because one of their losses did come against the Nuggets. Jokic, in the two games, Jokic has averaged 41, 13 and 7, and shooting 70% from three and 60% from the field. Um, two game stretch, but still. And I think the reason why um, Jokic is able to, to have so much, so much productivity against Gobert is because he can draw him out from the paint. And when you do take Rudy away from the paint, it just opens up a lot more. Dallas tried to do that. I read an article which said that Dallas tried that tactic. I didn't get a chance to watch the game with Paul Zingis, but because Paul Zingis's pick and roll defense is so bad, Utah were just able to exploit it. To round off your to round off that point, one thing I would like to see is some more quality wins in close games. Because we know when it gets squeaky bum time, that's when we'll see what the Jazz are made up of. Um, when it gets the last two or three possessions, how will they execute? It's all nice, you know, Spurs basketball, move the ball around, find the open shooter. Sometimes you just need an ISO bucket and let's see if the Jazz can do that. So I'm looking forward to the stretch they've got coming up. They've got, um, they've got, you said sixes. I think you've also got the Warriors coming up. I really want to see how they do against those big boys and we'll see where they're at two weeks from now. You're talking about bringing people out of the paint. Let's see if Jojo does that. That's going to be a great matchup. Mm -hmm. going to That's love a really to see good that. Point. Yeah, really fun. So, yeah. 17 footer. Oh, 50% 50, 50 from, from MIDI. Oh, baby. Blazing. MVP. All right. Sorry. Sorry. We ain't talking about Philly. Yeah. The Jazz, are, the Jazz are playing really well. Some great points, Ed, especially about the matchups. Like you said, in the playoffs, it's all about the matchups. And I, for one, would love to see a seven game series of Jokic v. Gobert. Unreal. It's not like we yeah. had that in the bubble. No, yes, 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 no. But not to this level. The yeah. Jazz have improved. It will be cool to have, like, you had volume one last round and then you got volume two this year with Donovan and Jamal Murray and then you get Rudy and Jokic again. Oh. If I was Jamal, I'd be worried. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And just on, like, them having a star player to close out games, every year Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs ups his level of play and he's unbelievable. So he really stands at the moment and it took Jamal Murray to make history in order to outplay him and that gets overlooked but Donovan Mitchell is a very good player to have closing out games to the offensively if you want somebody to create a shot so I, I think that they're more of a contender than people might be giving them respect for despite their amazing record just because of the Lakers and I am really looking forward to see who picks them in the in the playoff draft, how high they go. Please make sure they drop to sixth for me, please, because we need them back in house. Lasko, thank you. Next. If it was the sixth, it would be me, baby. 
and I'll be getting them. But we're just so we're... confident, man. Take them over the Lakers with your with your soon to be number one pick. You know. Hey, don't don't talk about my big girl like that. I'm just waiting for her. Did you treat Did you treat her on Valentine's? Did you get her a card? <laughs> um, I, I sent one with like a question mark. I think hopefully Jordan kept them kept them nice and safe for me, but I just had to spend it with the Clippers, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it was not it. But she's coming home to me <laughs> for now. <laughs> right, let's move from the the best team in the West to the worst team in the West. The team that Bray doesn't want to talk about, he doesn't really want to talk about any of his teams, but this team especially, and that's the Minnesota Timberwolves. They won last night, all credit due. They did win, they got on the board. I was like, yes, we've got a win so we can talk about that. They went one and three this week. They're seven and 20 overall. Anthony Edwards is, is in the starting lineup now. Bray, talk to me about the Timberwolves. Um, yeah, we're going to start positive with the Timberwolves. They won a game, yay! Congrats! <laughs> Yeah, you their first win in a while. They're uh, three and seven in their last ten. It's it's not looking good, and it's like they are like the West is close, and then there's the Timberwolves. They are so far behind. Like um, they don't want to be. They don't want to be giving up that pick. That pick is staying in Minnesota um, if they can help it. So uh, yeah, it's not been great. Cat did only come back like on Wednesday though last week so like he's been out for so long he was even asked like how was you how was it like, having COVID and he was like I, I, it was broken like he didn't feel good like yeah I think he was pretty ill um and it's just such a big thing having him back hopefully they can do a bit better um so yeah I mean the Timberwolves are just not going to be very exciting this year Someone who is quite exciting, though, is Edwards. You mentioned him. He is much improved. I saw an article that said he would be challenging Lonzo, you know, with his recent stretch play for, for Rookie of the Year. I don't agree. But in his last he's 17-4-4, shooting 43% from the field. Not great. But 39% from three, which is pretty good. So, you know, I think if, uh, if he's able to take that to another level, then he could challenge Alonso because obviously the record's not playing in his favour there. Um, is he living up to be a number one pick? No, but he's, you know, you could maybe say he's he's a lottery lottery potential guy um, and you can just see the rookie, like, malaise just going, like where you shoot really badly and you're aligned against the defence. Like, that stuff is rubbing off with him, which is great to see. Yeah, and he's, he's following in the footsteps of he's got the green light and you get that from Malik Beasley. So they did beat the Raptors last night and it was a close game. Um, so Lowry cuts the lead to two, 15 seconds left. And then what happens is on the on the inbound, they double-team Beasley and he steps on the line, steps out of bounds. So the Raptors get the ball back. And when I mean Stiaka misses this easy layup, like this is one of the easiest layups. I... You know, when we were talking about he expected contact, he just missed it, it rims out. Yeah, exactly. But most importantly in this game, I have my stat line of the week. Carl Anthony Towns. So in this game, he had 20 points, 11 rebounds, three assists. He also had a steal and three blocks. But he also had seven turnovers and six fouls. So he was really... Stat stuff and across the board there from Cap. But they've got to win, man. That, and, that's, and that's what we should talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned Malik Beast there as well. 
Um, because obviously there's not very much going on with the Timberwolves apart from their one win. Um, so I have in other in other Timberwolves news. Um, did you know Malik Beasley um, in the last week has been sentenced? So he was sentenced. For what? Yes. For what? I knew for he was what? in trouble for like yeah, um, so abuse, wasn't he? Malik Beasley was in a bit of trouble, um, and what he did is 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 a family um, were like like drove up to his house. They were like parked outside his house. Um, and he pointed a rifle at, like a like a gun, like like what even? I don't. It was just completely mental. Nickel the cops. He America. gets arrested. Um, they find another two. Reason. What? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah. And they find two pounds of they find two pounds of marijuana on him as well. Um, not good to be caught with that stuff. Um, so Malik has been has been a bad boy. He <laughs> he has he got sentenced to 120 days in prison, but it can be served after the season, and he can serve it from home. So basically, oh, get out. Home. Oh, oh, it's like what even? And it's because he pled guilty. Slap on the wrist. I know. Get out of it. Because he pled guilty to the to the to the in um threats of violence charge and they dropped the marijuana one which is fair enough like like, come on we don't no one needs that we'll just drop those ones but the yeah the threats of violence was pretty fucked up get the rifles out the house malik and uh we hope you get the the help you need but i mean he's he's been all right this season but i saw that i was like how do you even how do you even get into that it's just mental yeah i to be fair i i did hear about stuff how um stuff happened before the season i was Sort of surprised that he was playing, and now I've just heard this. So I'm like, "Wow, getting away with, yeah, anything." Yeah, yeah getting away. There's, there's okay. some rich people problems right there. Some very expensive lawyers, but you know, I suppose like the real way to hurt him would be to make him miss some of the seasons. Then you forfeit some paychecks and it starts getting real expensive. But uh, yeah, um, we hope that that Malik learns from his the error of his ways and uh, and gets the help. Very nice close out. Guys, let's let's all do it. Let's all do it together. What time is it? Night time, baby. It's Dame time. Yeah, it's Dame it time. You the know. Port, the no, they didn't do it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They didn't do it. They <laughs> They're just hate it. Oh, they didn't do it. They didn't do it. <laughs> He's a bad boy. He's oh, a he bad, bad boy. boy. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get past Ben Simmons, but he's a bad boy. He's <laughs> Four and zero this week, George. I'm I'm happy for you because it's your team. Oh, bro! Uh, and you're grinning like the Cheshire Cat. You I'm, I'm so happy. You know, sixteen and ten overall. Take it away, George. Jeez, man, I am I am so happy. And you know, ever since we met and we started talking about basketball, I told you the most annoying thing for the Blazers is how they're slept on, overlooked, Lillard getting snubbed, the and all that. With one banner. exactly so it's great to see this week even you know what Stephen A. Smith even apologized (laughs) to the Trailblazers this week I'm sorry this brother is clutch I am sorry (laughs) so hopefully we we get some respect You on don't mess name. with Dame. You saw it with Pat Ben. Honestly. What happens? Did he drop honestly. 60 in the next game? You don't mess with it, boy. You don't mess it's with ridiculous. it. It's ridiculous. 
But I'm, I remember last week uh, we were talking about the injuries and that I was worried about how they were going to put all the pressure on Damien and he was going to take over and then in, and all of that. This, oh my goodness, this stretch, my friends, this stretch has been everything with, which I've been dreaming of for, for a long time. Like... Not all the load is on Lin. I feel like I'm gonna cry, guys. I feel like I'm gonna cry. It's a it's a new look blazers, basically. Um everyone's chipping in, everyone's helping out. Bernie Simmons is getting more minutes with that. Um now I'm not sure if this change would have happened if the injuries hadn't occurred, but you know, silver lining where it is, and I'm happy in the direction it's going. And as they're saying, you know, who are you picking to take the last shot of a game? Just, just asking. Lillard, yeah, exactly. Steph, I'm, Steph Curry. I'm... Really? No, Steph? no. I'm, I'm taking Igadala. Oh, <laughs> laser beam. <laughs> but anyway, like, no. last sorry. Game, Wait, Jordan. Sorry. Um, when, when they took, when they interviewed uh, Igadala about that comment. They like they replayed the clip and they're like, "What do you think?" And he's like, "That bro was crazy." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, jeez. Oh, but yeah, the last game they had a close game with the Mavericks. Uh, I have to admit, we did get lucky on that one with the last shot from Luka Doncic. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my heart well, dropped with that because usually when we come up with close games like that. Doncic gets the ball and he, he gets that shot off even when he's contested. So, honestly, it could have gone another way if he made that. So, woo. Let's talk about your sporting cast. Ennis Cantor, this guy's a dog on the offensive rebounds. He had seven offensive rebounds against my team, Philly, and the Cavs, who've got some big boys, uh, Jared Allen and Andre Drummond, and he also had six against the Mavs. How big has he been for Portland? Obviously, with Nurk out and your depleted squad. Yeah, um, massive, um, absolutely, absolutely massive with that. Because obviously, we've got quite a few injuries going on in our team right now, especially in our centre position. So, um, for him to take on the responsibilities which he's have done and been that massive help uh, both offensively and defensively has been huge. Um, It's just a matter of how long he can keep it up for, but I hope he manages to keep that going. I mean, uh, a couple of games back, we did have that scare where he took a massive blow uh, to uh, his head just above his eye, I believe, and it it was gushing, but yeah, massive. Yeah, man, I'm really happy for you. And Melo is also turning back the clock. Uh, had a great baseline dunk against the Mavs. I'm really happy for that, yeah. especially as nobody wanted to sign him. So it's such a yeah. plus that you you picked him up. I said it before and I said it again. Like that signing, I was so happy when it happened, and I'm so glad that it picked up. Way back when he was with the Knicks, he obviously had to make that uh, huge decision before the end of his contract. And um, Lillard and McCullum were both scouting and rooting for him there. But unfortunately, we uh, didn't get in them. But it wasn't meant to be. But I'm glad he's with us and in the position which he is in. And he's still, the brother can still play and he's still putting on the performances and he's still got that grind. So I'm I'm happy with how 
our team has managed to utilise him where you look at the past teams he's been with and it hasn't worked. And I think he's been a key contributor to the um, uh, young players coming in as well. So, yeah, love it. Yeah, also got the cornrows back. Yeah. Let's let's move. <laughs> Just waiting for Hoodie Mallow. <laughs> <laughs> Need to get that. Need to get that um, on court apparel. This this next team, I'm really sad because this next team potentially could have been four and zero. They've lost so many close games, and I'm actually really proud of my second team, Oklahoma City Thunder, because even with one of the weakest squads, they are still battling every night. Jay Ward, let's talk about Oko Yeah, I mean, you've wrapped it up real nice. Um, they just fight every night, and as disappointing as the week record is um, with one and three, it's it has been an absolute pleasure to watch these guys. They um, only had SGA for the first game of the four, um, which was a loss to the Lakers, um, but they took him to overtime. Um, SGA hit three clutch free throws after getting fouled to send it into OT. That is killer poise from a player who, quite frankly, looked overwhelmed in the playoffs last year, which I've mentioned the previous weeks that I've covered these guys. Uh, the transformation um, for him as uh, like mental toughness has been outstanding, and I, I love it. Um, he leads uh, the league and drives to the hoop. Um, which is an uh, interesting stat. So, SGA, yeah, he does. He's missed the last three games, actually. So, look, I mean, he might have fallen off by the time this guy's alive. So, apologies for that. Um, but he's obviously up there, which is awesome. Um, it's even without him, though, They every game was close. They took the Lakers to another overtime game and back to back games. Uh, which is the first time the Lakers have been in uh, back-to-back overtime games since the 91-92 season, uh, which is the same year as Dream Team, uh, to give you an idea of how long ago that was. It's a big-time stat, though. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, and, yeah, that's one with SGA and one without SGA, so that's pretty cool. Um, Al Horford. Love an Al yeah. Horford. <laughs> Veteran <laughs> presence, man. Of course I'm going to bring up Al Horford. But he's had some history with taking young teams, um, you know, further than people might have expected them to. You look at that first year of Tatum and Brown uh, with the Celtics, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2017-18 season uh, with Al Horford at the helm. That's when, you know, they had Kyrie and Hayward, uh, but they were both out and they overachieved with uh, Al Horford as a veteran presence. Um, they are the second worst team, but they are in the West um, you know, in terms of record, but they are they're, they're like tied with uh, Rockets and Kings as well. Um, so it could go one or two ways as things move forward. Their schedule doesn't really get too much easier, uh, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I want to give uh, Justin Jackson a shout out. If is that who you're going to bring up, Alex, on the on the next point, or someone? No, 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 no. Go, go for it, Justin Jackson. Yeah, mate. He's. Um, with the absence of SGA, um, yeah, he's been he's been coming up big, man. I mean, against the first game in LA, he had 14 points. Um, against the Nuggets, he had 20, which is a season high. And then a big win, which is how I'm going to close this out against the Bucks last night. He went four for four from three, 22 points, and he didn't hit the game winner. So I'm not going to the game winner, but it was a dagger. It was the nail in the coffin. Big time shot. At the end of the game, tough shot. Big Deep three. Shot. 
for the defender. They wrote the Lou Dort drives to the hoop, kicks out to the wing. Pass wasn't that great, but they managed to keep it in. Touch pass, uh, yeah, out out to Justin Jackson, uh, and he hits the deep three. Uh, finishes the game four for four for three, as I say, uh, is a fantastic win. Bucks did not play well. Um, this wasn't like a game where Bucks went crazy and you know they outfought them, but they to to come off of, a, of that was their that was their first home game um, of these four games. To have that that road trip where you're losing by like minuscule points against teams that have MVP candidates on them and then to come home, keep your head high and then beat Giannis and the Bucks is incredible. I just, that's why I love watching them. So although the record is you know, disappointing, they're still overachieving for what I thought they would. Um, don't know about the rest of you guys. So the, I mean, it's great. Um, and, and Shay, he's out with the, the knee thing at the moment, but he's day to day. So it's not a, not a big thing. He's on the sideline with the team. So hopefully he's back as soon as possible. Because uh, he's leading them in assist standpoints. Last point I've got on OKC is Diallo, who's obviously provided them some big minutes. Absolutely. Uh, he had a he had a really bad play. He basically gifted the Nuggets three points at the end of the third quarter. Jamal Murray was fading out of bounds. Uh, he he was around the rim for some reason, and anyway, he tipped the ball in and cost them three points. They end up losing the game by two. So it's actually massive but my question for all of the gms is what is the dumbest play you have seen on the court i have some stuff that's shortlisted but i'd like to hear you know what you guys think pj tucker the inbound play oh with um eric gordon unreal yeah i've i've, I've got my own personal favorite uh so it was an old wizards raptors game this is where when arenas was playing and the Raptors are down three. So they're inbounding the ball. And they chuck it into to half court. And Wizards still the inbound. So there's about three seconds left. And one of the players on the team called Michael Ruff, Ruffin, he throws the ball up in the air to waste time on the clock. And it doesn't go up high enough or whatever. Anyway, Raptors player Morris Peterson catches the ball and chucks the ball in to tie the game. Game into open time. <laughs> so that's my that's the dumbest play I've ever seen. Um, he, he meant well, it just it, it did not, yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Has anyone got any more well, dumb plays? One of my favorites is um the I've I wanna say playoffs. Um the the the, the clippers, the lob city clippers, um DeAndre gets an offensive rebound. Um, I think they're, they're I think they're down or maybe it's tied it's against the Blazers against the Blazers and he gets an offensive rebound with about a, a second two seconds left and he thinks time has expired he just catches it at all seven foot whatever plus reach he is and he's just holding it there not doing anything with it and Chris Paul he stood right next to him below him <laughs> screaming at him like what the fuck you doing like just going absolutely <laughs> mental because he's like you could literally like win the game tie game whatever here and he doesn't do it and Chris Paul's jumping on him literally he can't get to the ball and time expires and whatever like but just the the DeAndre standing there with Chris Paul going nuts is just uh, oh. oh that one where you just see Chris Paul jumping yeah. as well <laughs> like put it up 
turn it up. <laughs> I think um, this isn't like my favorite. It's probably, I'm going the other way. It's probably my least favorite just because of the impact it had on the series. Oh, no. But there's always the J.R. Smith. The, yeah. he- the heady uh, thing is possible. Yeah. I thought, yeah, yeah. I thought we was up, B. No. He, he's explained that on Cold as Balls with Kevin Hart. He was talking to coach on the sideline when Cavs had free uh, um, when Cavs had free throws, and he wasn't watching the free throws, but he assumed they went in. So in his head, the math was that they were up when they retired. Um, yeah, I, I hate that play so much, but it is a dumbass play. That was not uh, one of the best games ever as well. Yeah, that is the worst thing. You can see why LeBron is so angry. Like, he single-handedly carried that game. He was insane in that game. Best game in his career, that game, for sure. Yeah. That was unbelievable. And I just, just quickly bring it back to OKC, that play where he got up three points, uh, and that sucks, and it's a shame. But ultimately, biggest problem with their, their losing record this week is the fact they've been giving up leads. They were up 22. Uh, no, sorry, excuse me. They were they were up 20 on the Lakers in getting that second game. They were up 18 on Denver, um, and they they were up on Milwaukee 11 points, but Milwaukee still made it really close. So it's a team thing. They're young. That's a typical characteristic of young teams giving up leads. Um, but yeah, is what it is, and they're going to get. Surprised no one brought up JaVale McGee or you know JR Smith dapping up Jason Terry mid game. God, JaVale <laughs> McGee, the, the rodeo ball JaVale McGee stuff is unbelievable. Like, it's so funny. And there's a play with the Wizards when they're like down like six points and he throws off the backboard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tragic Bronson alert. Tragic yeah, Bronson alert. Let's speak about some. More MVP candidates, and that is one out in Denver, and that is Nikola Jokic. The Nuggets had a really good week, 3-1 and one this week, 15-11 overall. They probably would have potentially wanted to be a bit higher, but they've had a good week. Thanks, Shilande. How are you feeling about your Nugs? I'm going to accuse you of a bit of some bias here. Um, as a Sixers fan and Embiid, Jokic is the threat to your Embiid crusade to an MVP. And you try to push the Nuggets to the last spot on the show. You're not giving them the headline spot in the division. This is some impartial activity from the sixth man. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the, the Jazz went 3-0 this week, you know. you know, And also, technically the headline spot, the one that everybody wants to see is at the end of the show. You know, to be honest, if you don't like it, I could just take it off altogether. We just won't talk about nuggets. Oh, so that, now you now you're really trying to stop then, then, then I've, you know, Okay, okay, I see. Yeah, what we, we'd really do about. Anyway, let's talk about let's talk about the second place MVP. You know, after MB, let's talk about nuggets, shall we? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. if you so say. Um, so yeah, nuggets three and one this week, um, six and four in the last ten. Um, out of the um, last four games, the defeat they did have was against the Bucks. I think that's fair enough. You can't really complain about that one. And then the three wins, they absolutely mauled the Cavs 133 to 95. And then that narrow win against the Thunder, which we were just speaking about, 
and then a great win last night against um, the hottest sister, the Los Angeles Lakers, in which Jokic, oh, what's that, gets a triple-double against LeBron. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's pretty good in Denverland right now. I think, I think LeBron travelled on that dunk. Everyone's talking about that big dunk he had at the end of the court. He, he definitely travelled. He <laughs> took a couple of extra steps. Yeah, he definitely travelled. Yeah, he definitely does. Oh, yes. Yeah, so... Like uh, like you said, the Lakers win very good, and the Nuggets really took over, especially when Anthony Davis went down. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I don't know how to say this guy's name, but we've been seeing a lot of good production from Najee off the yes. uh, off the Denver bench, um, and also one of my favorite players, uh, Campazzo, who's basically Paolo Prigioni part two. He's a whole lot of fun. He had a great pass in the corner where he wasn't even looking at the play and it went right past Kuzma's shoulder. Great pass. But yeah. yeah. Cam- talk about, talk about Najee. Sorry. Oh, I was going to actually talk about Campazzo, to be fair. Oh, um, cool. But yeah, like, Najee's had some really good contributions. I've never actually heard of him until like the past few um, couple of weeks as well. So it seems he's come out of nowhere. But um, Campazzo, he's an interesting one. And I think it'll be interesting to see how the Nuggets actually line up in the future because when he's played over 20 minutes, which has only actually occurred four times a season, so it's a small sample size, he's averaged 13 points and four assists. Compare that just to his general average of only four points a game. So it'd be interesting to see if they can squeeze him into that starting lineup or at least give him some more minutes off the bench because um, he's only averaging about 12 minutes so far this season. And yeah, he had a great game against the uh, Lakers last night. He got 15 points, four assists. So um, he, he seems to be a really good talent as well and then Jamal Murray he's been a bit iffy of late but he scored 25 points last night against the Lakers and he's starting to develop a highlight reel of finishing against LeBron James Mm. he got a tidy finishes last night he had a couple in the playoffs last year like that's pretty good yeah if you're if you if you come at the king you best not miss eh but the, the Nuggets, even though Jokic is, is putting in an MVP performance, and I will say that him and Embiid, I think they are on a, on a par. They're put, both playing really well. The Nuggets do sit seventh in the West, even though it is a tougher conference. Um, so my question to you, Matt, is besides trading, what can Denver do better with their current rotation? I think, to be honest, it's, it's getting more out of the players other than Jokic and Murray. So we're seeing that from Campazzo, his contribution. I'd like to see a little bit more from Michael Porter Jr. He's shown glimpses, shown glimpses of what he can offer throughout the season so far. He's been a bit quiet of late. Um, but yeah, and then and then obviously you've got players like Monte Morris as well. Millsap can, can come in as well, just help out and take the load off Jokic as well sometimes in terms of being that big man. Um, but yeah, I think the Nuggets are, are definitely going to keep pushing. Like the, being seventh in the West at the moment isn't a true reflection of the team they are. They're definitely going to um, uh, finish well in that division. And yeah, they're going to go uh, deep into the playoffs again for certain. And with someone like Jokic, and you can say he's on a par with Embiid at the moment. He's, I think he's better at the moment, really, to be honest with you. He's got 25 double doubles in 26 starts, six triple doubles. He's set career highs for points which he got 50 in, assists 18, and rebounds 22 this season. And his plus-minus is the highest in the league, is at 11.1. Embiid is second with eight. 
Mm. Like, that is monstrous. I will say this in Jokic's argument, the Sixers ha- have had a really easy schedule as well. But I want to open this out to the GMs. I I'm not going to vote. It's the I'm easiest biased. schedule in the league so far. I think I saw it. It's got they have had, they've had the easiest schedule in the whole league. This is why you see we're losing to the teams in the, out in the West and we probably will lose tonight against the Jazz. But I'm not going to vote because I've been, you know, accused of biasy. What, who, out of all the GMs, who would you say is the MVP of this season? One word answer, please. Leberger. Right? Leberger. It's the sound. Leberger. Bray? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Leberger. I'm going to say, I'm going to back my boy. You're going back Jokic, all right. Um, I'm I'm going for my home team. Like I said, I think Lillard's been snubbed too many times. I I definitely think he's in that category for debate. You should bet it, George. There's some good odds on that. Yeah. LeBron for me. Yeah, me as well. He's got that narrative from last year from the from the playoffs where he was going, oh, you didn't put me in the end. Yeah, he's like, he's, he's, he's yeah, he did. Most, he's like, he threw his toys out of the pram. Season, but uh, he's got, he's he's got throwing his toys out of the pram, but he's also on his no days off. He is yeah. killing it and taking no rest. Um, I guess also just no, go on, go on, Marty. Should say, yeah, his, his team. Is doing the best. Um, I think part of the part of his campaign is also the fact of the team they've been able to put together. They're better than they were last year mm. after winning the chip. That is that is a credit to LeBron's basketball mind and what he needs around him in order to win. Um, and I, I think that that's part of the case. They actually, they actually needed it. Anthony Davis not being 100% this year. I was going to say, yeah. Um, they really needed that extra help. I mean, I'm st- I'd am still be concerned about the the effort LeBron is putting in. There's a reason he's like, I don't want to do an All-Star game because he knows he needs time off. Um, it, it's been long long hauls, a lot of minutes, a lot of effort. For LeBron. Absolutely. You could argue in Jokic's favour, though, that the title is most valuable player, like most valuable player for that team. So you take Embiid out of the Sixers, you take Jokic out of the Nuggets, you take LeBron out of the Lakers. Which team's going to be affected the, the most? I'd probably say the Nuggets. I guess part of that is just because of uh, Jokic's impact on the offensive end in terms of his distribution as well and being the sort of point centre of the team. Um, I guess that that would be that that would be that point there in terms of if you if you would take Jokic away from the Nuggets, I think they'll crumble compared to other teams would. Uh, compared to if you'll take other teams' big stars away, because I think they built it around Jokic quite well, I would say. I agree. But I think just because, obviously, Lakers have a better supporting cast, but I do believe if you took LeBron out of that Lakers team, I'm not even sure they'd be 100% certain to make the playoffs. Yeah. Who's their, who's their second best player this year? Who's the, who's been the Lakers second? Because AD's been injured. Who's been the second best player? Obviously, but, yeah. literally, yeah. You're not, yeah. You're not making that with an injured AD, an aged uh, Mark Gasol, um, you know, and a bunch of shooters, basically, mm-hmm. uh, like Caruso and Matthews. And yeah, I just so that's I I take your point, but I'd argue the same point for the Lakers yeah. with LeBron. I mean, so yeah, I me though, the MVP is not someone who takes uh, 
below average team to, and I'm not saying the Nuggets are a below average team, even with or without Jokic, first of all. Um, but the MVP is not somebody who takes a below average team to an average team. Russell <laughs> Westbrook. Um, it's someone who takes a team to be one of the best in the league. Like who who can raise you to get into that upper echelon? Who can make you the number one seed? Giannis did it. Who's obviously they haven't got the somehow haven't got the best record in the West, which is a testament to the Jazz. But LeBron's been doing that, and has been doing that, and I, that's 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 key criteria for me. And I knew I knew I liked you, bro. I knew that's what we're friends about. All good discussions, all, all good debates. Um, it's going to be really interesting. And also another name that everyone forgot about, Steph Curry. Let's put some respect on that boy's name. That boy is killing it this season. Right, let's head to the leaderboard. There's been, there's been some changes, guys. There's been some changes. Oh, I'm going to have to let some people down ever so lightly. In, <laughs> final, in final place, the tears in his eyes. And it's definitely, it might be the salt. I don't know if salt makes you cry, but salt break. 68 wins, 90 losses. You're at 43%. Uh, your worst team, Minnesota Timberwolves. And your best team, the Boston Celtics. No, sorry, the Indiana Pacers, 14 and 13. In fourth place, Lancashire like Lambert, 69 and 85, 44%. Team, the Nuggets. Your worst team, the Wizards. In third place, staying there, as he was so hyped last week for being third place. Uh, thank God I didn't include the whole 50% rule. Otherwise, you guys would have been screwed. Uh, <laughs> Bombard Wildy, 78 wins, 82 losses, 48%. Very close to 500. You're way upset, we're, absolutely. We're not, not going <laughs> to mention the teams. We're not going to mention the teams. Like you said last week, we know who's at both ends of the sandwich. 100%. As a, <laughs> a Philly, Philly cheesesteak sandwich, baby. That's what it is. <laughs> second place, retaining uh, his, his second place is House of O3. 87 wins, 74 losses, 54%. Doing really well, Jord. Uh, Lakers, best team. Worst team, the Bulls. Bulls. <laughs> and House Lasky looks very superior at the moment. 97 wins, 68 losses. 58% guys he's running away with it this is why I've got to give him you know I've got to talk some shit because you know he's he's rolling at the moment can Utah we just flash back to when we first did this and he was saying oh it's okay guys it won't last <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, he's, 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 he's trying to get you off his game yeah <laughs> the, the only saving grace is his Orlando Magic is his worst team and you know it's going to end up like that but that, that is how the leaderboard looks, guys. Um, Can we... I just say, the only reason I'm so hyped about position three is I stand by the fact that I had the worst spot in picking in our draft. So if I get anything, if I get top three, I'm happy. It's your fault for picking Dallas with your first pick. No, I'm saying I'm doing well. Yeah, but I don't know why you were complaining in the first, first pick, round. Which meant I didn't get any back-to-backs. Ed. Ed, was... you have first position. Don't take yeah. this away and from him. And why was and why was everyone shocked that I picked the Bucks if I had first position? Why was everyone shocked that I picked the Bucks? I wasn't shocked. The Bucks are his team. his third best team. I can't believe you, like it's just the 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 confection of the Jazz being insane. Yeah, and like the Knicks 
being like a 500 team. It's that combo. It's also, yeah. I'm surprised no one took the Clippers. Everyone let the Clippers fall 10th. Did Pandemic we? Yes. Yeah. Pandemic. Everyone yeah. let the Clippers I'm fall sorry, 10th. I just... Yeah, I. Uh, oh, I want, I want all the Atlantic like, teams. I don't want the Knicks. Uh, to be fair, oh, like you said, oh, I took okay. the better looking sister. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you don't get Not taking the Clippers and then like, being good and bouncing back after that crumble in the playoffs. It's like if Giannis beats you with a three point shot, you live with it. Yeah. Oh, it's, I'll tell you what, there's, oh, shit. There's, a, there's a heated discussion going on here. And I think we just, <laughs> we just need to part ties. Uh, especially on this bit because you know the tensions are rising guys but that's what we like all the scrappiness so that concludes divisions discussions for this week uh, we will take a short break and we're going to head to all of the extra stuff so shoot your shot time yeah that's right that's right it's back just like that okay so first matchup we've got Matt versus Matt oh uh, rooted at the bottom of the table. Hopefully, they can pick up some wins uh, for once. <laughs> um, yeah, that was a low blow. Uh, and we've got Jord deciding this one. Jord, are you good with timing and reading out the question? All good with that? Yep. So, guys, you've got one minute on this one, as usual, standard, standard. <clears throat> Your question for this week. Um, obviously, throughout the NBA, a lot of names have been mentioned and big trades have gone down. Uh, currently, since the uh, Harden trade, the big names being mentioned are Levine, Larry, and of course, Beal. But my question to you guys is, what under-the-radar player should teams be looking at drafting? Okay? Trading. Trading. That anyone who would like to go first. I can take it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Your time starts now. So I'm going to back one of my own players for my own teams, and I'm going to go to a team that is pretty atrocious right now that's only won one in their last 10, and that is the Cleveland Cavaliers and their star point guard, Colin Sexton. Now, you may think that the Cavs are going to build their future team around Colin Sexton, there may be, that might be their idea for him. But there's plenty of teams in the NBA right now who are looking for someone who is a reliable scorer. Sexton's averaging just under 23 points a game, or 49% shooting from the field and 42% from the three, 80% from the line as well, pretty decent. He hit his career high, 42 points, in that amazing victory against the Nets, in which KD, Kyrie and Harden were just blown away by his performance. And he's a three-level scorer as well. He scores 25% of the time, um, from at the rim he scores 23, 25% of the time from mid-range and then another 20% from three-pointer he's the perfect man for all these teams like the Heat etc that just need an extra time cut me off in my flow a little, that little Heat dig at the end yeah yeah, <laughs> trying to get the dig in right. yeah sure. the Heat haven't got enough Ray <laughs> <laughs> you ready yeah your time starts now. So for this one, I'm, I'm going to be a homer. It's not Zach Levine. It's Lowry Markkinen. He was lauded mm. as the next Dirk Nowitzki, Porzingis type in his first and second seasons. He's surprisingly athletic. Um, he regressed in his third season. Everyone went, who is this guy? He's, he's not that good. I don't think he's the guy of the future. 
And he's quietly come back. You wouldn't really know because it's all about the Zach Levine show. He's averaging 19-6 on 52% from the field and 40% from behind the line. He is not the second best player on a team. If he's your third or fourth best player, that is a recipe for success for a contender. And you want the kind of guy that can stretch the floor at the four position. Um, and you can get him cheap because everyone's after Zach Levine. You could put him in the package with Zach Levine, or you could say, well, you're trading away Zach Levine, you've blown it up. We'll just get Larry Markman off you. He's cheaper than Sexton. You probably wouldn't have to give up a lot of or anything like that. And also from the Bulls' perspective, he's a guard pack. So glad you've, you've come home, man. Larry must <laughs> be so happy. And you forgot, in terms of comparisons, you forgot about the Flying Dutchman, Rick Smits. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Okay. So, two very great arguments there. Um, very, very tough to decide. Um, ooh. I might pull an Ed and uh, ask the audience. <laughs> Nah, I'm not falling for this. I'm not moving to this again. No, see what you've done. No, no, no. You can't just ask for our advice and then, yeah, I'm just going to pick the other thing. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. Absolutely not. We've all got got trust issues now. (laughs) Okay, okay. Um, So, obviously, Sexton, uh, that point guard position, he, he has. He's a dog on the defensive end. Like, I gotta love him and respect him for that. And yeah, the things which he does on the court, and you saw him against that Nets in that Nets game, like massive plays there. Um, Markinen, uh, again, I've, watching him play, you can see how much he contributes um, towards towards the Bulls team on uh, in in big games and stuff. And you can see the impact he leaves when he is off the court. My only question mark with that, which might turn it off, would be his injuries, which he seems to keep getting, which I think teams might be wary of. However, saying that with the Colin Sexton thing, him being in the starter position uh, to see him either with the guard position being so heavy, seeing him drop back and down a bit, I'm not sure how he might take that. Um, So I think my final decision, which is a tough one, I'm going to give it to Bray. I'll give it to Bray. That was so intense. Yeah. (laughs) Proper X-Factor builder. Yeah, Larry Markin has had a previous really tough, tough background. So <laughs> like, what's going on here? <laughs> break it to me, break it to me, easy. <laughs> that, so, was, that was break. a tough one, that was a close one. That, that, was, that really... was really tough, I wasn't expecting that one to be that tough. I thought, oh yeah, Trey, it'll, it'll be easy, it'll be, it'll be simple. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, so, so Bray takes first uh, the win in the first matchup. Yeah. Well done Bray, well done Bray. Ed and I are facing off in the second matchup, and Wildy is hosting this question. So, Joe Wild. Absolutely. There we go. So, Ed versus Alex, you know, rules, a minute to talk. Um, with the 
basketball documentary uh, called The Last Dance, obviously celebrating uh, the Bulls dynasty, uh, which came out last March during the first lockdown. There has since been a documentary about Tony Parker uh, and another one um, about Stefan Marbury. Um, prior to that as well, just shout out, there was the Carter Effect as well, which was another good one. But what I want to know from you guys is, what do you think, or what would you like to see be the next big sports documentary uh, to come up? So I'm going to go... Yeah, I'm going to reward winning. House Lasky, you got number one spot. So I'm going to let you go first. Uh, you can have a minute. Uh, and then I'll give you the hand signals. I'm going to give you the five count on that. And I'll give you I've got the timer. I've got the timer anyway. I'm prepared. Oh, Man's oh, well, prepared. Uh, oh, well, I'll die. I'll, I'll, I'll count you. We're strictly <laughs> business here. We're strictly he's, business here in House Lasky. What is this? The flake gate. He's trying to rig yeah. the timing system. <laughs> <laughs> I've got trust issues. As Wadi said, we've all got trust issues here. <laughs> all right. So, going three, two, one. So, this is an ambitious idea, but I will call it passing the torch. Now, why passing the torch? This is going to look at the 2008 Olympic squad and the 2012 Olympic squad. Now, there are four players who are on both teams, and we're going to highlight two of them. Mr. Kobe Bean Bryant and Mr. LeBron James and passing the torch, you know, just like the passing of the Olympic torch as it goes on from city to city. Uh, I would like to see a six year time period. So just before the 2008 Olympics and just after the 2012. So 2006 season to 2013, six years. Funny enough, LeBron reached three finals and Kobe reached three, three finals. And funny enough, they both went one and two. So you had Kobe's first three, uh, last three finals year and you had LeBron's three finals years. So I would like to see a documentary of how those Olympic teams, um, how that shaped the rest of the NBA and what that led to in the finals. Because we all know that part of the big three coming together with Miami, part of that was set in the 2008 Olympics with uh, LeBron and Wade. So that is my documentary. I want to see passing the torch from 04 Olympics to 08, 08 Olympics to 012. Very crispy argument. Fantastic. You reckon, would you like a segment in there about how Dwight Howard single-handedly ruined the NBA finals that never happened between LeBron and Kobe? <laughs> no, I love it because obviously I'm a magic guy. I loved it. Oh, of course you... Don't bother me. <laughs> All right, okay, here we go. So, uh, Alex, you ready to go? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, three, two, one, go. So I personally think a documentary is much more effective when it's something that you saw on the surface, but you really there really isn't that much information. So I'm going to do pitch for ESPN 30 for 30, Lob City, about the Los Angeles Clippers. Plot starts off with the unsuccessful history, always in the Lakers shadow, and then it goes into the hope of drafting number one pick and the rise of Blake Griffin, arrival of Chris Paul, and the emergence of Lob City with DJ. Then you talk about the lack of punch in the playoffs, losing four straight to Memphis in 2013, the Chris Paul turnover game and the Thunder game five, the 3-1 lead and choke against the Rockets when game six, when James Harden was on the bench. And then you've also got the locker room pettiness and the lack of chemistry and the issues that were never solved. And then with all of that going on, you add Donald Sterling to the pot, refusing to trade for JJ Reddick because he was white. Famous dinner parties where he showcased Blake and most importantly, the incident. And then you also talk about the Rockets and the Clippers tunnel water. That is what I'm pitching. Interesting. 
That's awesome. That's two really good ideas there. I really like I really like both takes. Hmm. I think you set up nicely, Alex, with your in terms of surface level, you know all the big stuff, but what's the nitty-gritty under everything? Um, that certainly has been that was definitely one of the best elements about the last dance documentary, if you take it to the question that I asked. Obviously, covering uh, potential uh, goats and um, players in the game, uh, and obviously wanted there as well. Um, both of your arguments were really solid, and in terms of the amount of points that you guys made, I actually had you dead even. Um, and so, I'm probably going to go with the one that I would like to see the most. Um, and so I'm giving this one to House Lasky. Um, but that was awesome. I want to watch both of them uh, and I hope they both happen. Um, but yeah, see. One thing I'll say is that with, with like podcasts and everything happening nowadays, like I think we sort of know what's been happening, what was happening with the Clippers. There was the Sterling one. That was a really interesting yeah, podcast the series. Yeah, we'll definitely. Yeah. But we don't have information from the players and the whole the whole concept of this whole Chris Paul and Blake Griffin to have them in a room talk about this whole pettiness that their teammates have talked about is something that I really want to happen because that team should have won a championship. Yeah. As long as they talk about police presence, I'm all for it. <laughs> I get the it's about when they call the police in the locker room. <laughs> yeah. As long yeah, as the, they t- the tunnel, that. the tunnel wall. That'll be it. That'll be at the end. Was, was, was Matt Barnes on the on the Clippers when he when he went when he like um did he get into a fight with Derek Fisher? Oh, he yeah. must have been on the Clippers. I think he must yeah. have been on the Clippers. I think he was. They, they just had a plethora of small forwards and they just couldn't fill that position in, in the best way to get them to win a chip. Um, but yeah, the mad thing is that the biggest thing about that is Blake because it was Blake's team. Um, he was the guy. Chris came in and said, nah, man, I'm the orchestrator. It's my team. That obviously hurt Blake's feelings and stuff like that. And then the emergence of DeAndre and some of the dunks that he pulled off, there were people saying, DeAndre, some people were saying that DeAndre was a better dunker than Blake. And it was like, so there was just two slights towards Blake, which just fueled the fire in that locker room as Alex was talking about, man. So... That it will be so interesting. Um, I, I genuinely love both those ideas, man. So Bray and Ed take the win on on uh, shoot your shot. Past the rock, something we brought uh, a few weeks about a few weeks ago, um, and we're bringing it back. And obviously, past the rock is about comparing an NBA player to a famous musician. So the two people that I want to compare this week and want to debate with you guys after is Kyrie Irving and Lauren Hill. So I've brought this into three different sections. So the first section is team success and individual success. So with Kyrie, when LeBron returned home, he won a championship in 2016. In the Cavs, when they had a big three with LeBron and Kevin Love, and they also went to the finals four years in a row. Individually, Kyrie won rookie of the year in 2012. He exploded onto the scene, had a great first year, and then he went more viral when he sat Brandon Knight down in that all-star in the uh, Rising Stars game. Uh, he's also, also a six-time All-Star and won All-Star game MVP in 2014. 
all NBA, second team in 2019, third team in 2015, one gold at the Rio Olympics in 2016. Lauren Hill, if you guys don't know, she was a part of the Fugees with Wycliffe John and Pross. They only released two albums, but they were extremely successful. The most successful was the latter, which was The Score. So this won two Grammys for Best Rap Album and then Killing Me Softly as a Best R&B Vocal Performance. Uh, Also on that album was uh, Ready or Not, you guys probably know it, and a rendition of No Woman No Cry. And Lauren Hill, in terms of individuals, she only released one album, but what an album it was because it won Album of the Year and won Best R&B Album at the Grammys in 1999. She also won Best New Artist just by herself and went number one in the US and number two in the UK. The second point I've got between these two people is that they're outspoken. So Kyrie led the charge against the bubble in, uh, in Disney. He said, I don't support going into Orlando, claiming it was not with, he's not with systematic racism as it provided distraction to the Black Lives Matter movement occurring at the same time. So Kyrie went consecutive days without talking to Cavs teammates in July 2017. The reason behind this is because he wanted to be a more focal point and the franchise player. And then more recently, we obviously discussed he disappeared for a number of games this season with the Nets for unknown reasons. This was later confirmed he wasn't partying with Drake and celebrating a family member's birthday. Lauren Hill stepped away from music after that first album, saying that she felt uninspired. Money isn't a driving force for her. And she has to feel inspired to create because that's where energy comes from. And then in 2000, which is two years after that album dropped, she dropped out of the public eye. Um, and she later stated she had to confront her fears of basically being black, young and gifted within the Western culture. And she wanted to retain her identity. Throughout her career, she's gone on many of her hiatus, showing up late for tour dates and even served time in jail for tax evasion. The third and final point is talent. Kyrie, one of the best ball handlers of all time, can finish as well around the rim with both hands. An exceptional one-on-one player that has made one of the most clutch shots in NBA histories and one of the best series of all time. It really showcases how the NBA has become popular due to the excitement of a guard-heavy league. Lauren Hill, the first woman to win five or more awards at the Grammys. The first hip-hop album to win Album of the Year. And she was the first superstar, believe it or not, before Drake, to really master combining R&B with hip-hop. And her influence continues to be sampled by standout artists to this day, including Drake, her, and Cardi B. So that wraps up my argument. I just wanted your guys' thoughts on that. that is a nice, yeah. Um, comparison. I, I think, the, yeah, I think the one thing is that obviously Kyrie is still in the in the prime of his career. It'll be interesting to see. Obviously, you mentioned Lauren Hill's impact post career. Well, Lauren uh, after her peak. And what she's influenced now to the younger audience. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how the future NBA stars, how they sort of take to Kyrie after he retires. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, man, I love it. Just another point on Kyrie. As you said, he's like one of the best one-on-one players. I think one of the things with him is he's one of the best players with... he. He's so good at like halfway through a motion... He'll like halfway post up, give him like half a spin move and then hit a fadeaway shot. It's the craziest thing ever because he goes from like facing you up, putting his back to you, uh, and then all of a sudden the ball's in the air and, and it's going in. Um, just unbelievably, unbelievably talented. Um, and I think just because of 
some of the off-court stuff. Um, he's weirdly a little bit underrated, um, get, um, given what he can do with the basketball um, and what he has accomplished. I think I'm about to find my nickname here. Um, because I like it, but Lauren Hill has got the MVP, the pinnacle of success, and Kyrie doesn't. He's got the big shot, but he hasn't been able to do it over an entire season or an entire album. And I think that's just the biggest thing. He's not he wasn't able to concentrate for long enough to put it all together. And he wasn't able to to kind of elevate elevate himself to that point. Um, another, I mean, to be fair, it's still a really good comparison, but I think that's where I, I, I said Lauren Hill's really aced it. They both got the silky smooth vocals and the silky smooth movements as well, though. So I, I do like the comparison. I would say that, I mean, ultimately you are right, but my counter for Kyrie's individual success is you could argue that Kyrie's performance in when he first came to Cleveland, without LeBron being there, Kyrie's performance and his potential as a superstar player was one of the main reasons that LeBron James came back to play with him. So Kyrie's talent in itself um, brought LeBron back, gone to the finals and put himself in that position where he was able to hit a big shot, you know, to win a championship ring. Um, so although it's not... You, that's not a you know a traditional way of measuring it, um, given that it's all about the championships and the rings. I get that, but um, I, I think I just uh, that that would be my my smart way to take that. Yeah, I would I would have to agree with um, Bray on that, but still, what you mentioned as well, Wildy, is also a fair point. Like it, if you you can definitely see all those similarities which you made throughout their careers, which I uh, really enjoyed. But if you're looking at it deeply, you do have that accolade aspect, but you definitely see all those similarities to the times where they took the breaks and the times off and how they um, contribute to the local area and um, thing, um, things which are important to them in their country. Um, you can definitely uh, see that also within the type of impact they have had on the industry, how you look back on how rappers either feature Lauren Hill songs in their current albums and such, and then athletes kind of trying to mirror the way Kyrie's playing, coming up athletes as well. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my one counter, is the influence of Kyrie 10, 15, 20 years from now going to be as big as the influence that Lauren Hill Mm. Possibly not, but I do agree with a lot of the points, Alex. Both New Jersey kids as well, which is kind of cool. Ah. I did not know that. Um, yeah, so you know, I'll, I'll be back again with uh, another comparison, or if, if somebody else thinks it is, maybe I'm going to look for my my own Drake on this list, um, and I'm going to try and include someone uh, British as well. Um, I think for a bit of relevancy, but yeah. Personally, I think Kyrie and Lauren. Quick question for you, though, Alex. Um, I don't know Lauren Hill that well. I'm sure you know her better. Does she have an Uncle Drew movie moment? Yeah, <laughs> Alex has just caught her on speaker. Like, they chat all the time. You know? 
when you meet oh as in like the commercial and the no the like the film like the terrible terrible film does she have one of those because i don't know she, if she does she, she's very out she's very outspoken she said some you know like she's she's served time in jail um she's also got five kids with um bob marley's kid as well huh. um which is like really left field and they've been had a very like on and off relationship that's something i was reading into yeah, she's she's cool, but she um she's very much. I think where I saw their similarities is that they're very much people that are like they won't stick by the book. Like if they don't think something's right, they're like, I'm not part of this. Like I'm I've got bigger stuff to handle. Like I don't really need to do this. And they're very much like outspoken that way. But yeah, cool. Yeah. Does she does she believe the earth earth is flat as well? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no, no. But it would be interesting to see if um, Kyrie goes in that same direction of Lauren, where he just gets to the point in his career where it's like, nah, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm moving on to this and something which is more important to me. Because sta- I think we're starting to see signs of that going forward. Like with all that he's saying, it's like he's bored or something. Like- mm. I mean, do you, like, you know, I don't know if Lauren's out here saging the stage before she goes on, but... <laughs> she, I don't think she turns up to tour dates, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, same as yeah. Kyrie this season. Yeah. Exactly. Ooh. Exactly. But if you guys haven't listened to Miss Education, Lauren Hill, go check it out. So that wraps up The Sixth Man. We've we've covered a lot. We've We've done... So that's our third time round of all the divisions. So we'll be heading back with the Atlantic and Pacific for the fourth yeah. time. So that is, yeah, we've, we've got through a lot. So as we head into our 10th week, House Lasku still rules the roost. Um, he's, he's, got a, he's got a very unassailable lead. Hopefully he picks up a couple more elves. I might have to bring back the picture up again. But yeah. Only, the only thing I'm worried about is who I'm going to take with my seventh pick. That's the only thing I'm worried about. <laughs> You were like you were like this panel's Kenny Smith, right? Ah, uh, please don't do that to me. <laughs> Run through the tape in life, right? So yeah, wraps up uh, six man for this week. We'll be back same same time next week uh, to discuss everything Atlantic and Pacific and some more shooter shot. I hope. All right, peace out. Peace. See ya.